Well, good morning and God bless you. Uh, we are well into a series on the Holy Spirit. We've covered a lot of ground. I'm not going to recap. Uh, please check out our podcast, the website, if you'd like to fill in some of the gaps. But uh, just before I get into this morning's teaching, I just want to say uh, greetings from Reading Vineyard. I was there last week and uh, I, I heard you had a good time here, but uh, it was my privilege to speak down there at Reading and I really enjoyed my, myself. It's such a, a great sense to be amongst family, but family who do things differently. And I was really struck by some of their, uh, their series. They're about to launch a series called Desperate Sex Lives. I say, and the titles are Dirty Laundry, Finding Forgiveness, uh, Marriage, Light My Fire, Temptation, Start Me Up. Who is it hot? <laughs> I say, what a series. They're really going through the throat there. But they were, they were very appreciative and, and grateful that you would spare me. And I, it was fun for me to be there. So greetings from Reading. And then yesterday, actually... We hosted here a, a conference for leaders led by Jim White from Mecklenburg Community Church and his team. And we had a great day. And once again, I just want to say, you know, this place is being used. This community is, uh, this faith community is, is a center for, for many things. You know, outreach into the community through Vineyard Active, of course. We've heard about that this morning. But, you know, the wider church looks to us and gathers here to, to train and to learn. And it's a real privilege to be part of the community in that sense. And a community who has a heart to serve the wider church. So we had, you know, 100 or so church leaders here yesterday. And that's always my favorite thing to do. Like the Global Leadership Summit that we, we host in, in the autumn. You know, when you've got leaders and you can care for them and you can, you know, talk to them and encourage them and sometimes even pray for them, it, it's a tremendous privilege in my opinion. Because you're not just blessing that individual. You know that if you bless the leader, he will be a blessing or she will be a blessing. So it was a great thing to do. And thank you for those of you who volunteered help and gave up your Saturdays to help us do that. Anyway, let's get back into this morning's uh, uh, message. Uh, and this morning, I, I want to really do a little talk called the Holy Spirit mission. And really, first off, I want to start off with the big idea. You know, what is the big idea? What is this about, this, this Holy Spirit message of, of mission? And, you know, in the last few weeks, as I said, I'm not going to do all the titles and things, but we, we have looked at the Holy Spirit in a variety of different ways. We've, we've considered him as, as our comforter in John 14. We've, we've considered him as our true guide. Rick spoke on, on, on the Spirit of God leading us into truth. We, we've thought about the Holy Spirit as, as the one who, who negotiates and helps us in the whole adoption process, being adopted into the, into the, the Father's house. Uh, we, we've looked at you know, uh, the Holy Spirit as the gift giver. Rich spoke on that very well, I thought. And uh, next week, Dennis is going to be speaking on the Holy Spirit as intercessor, how he helps us in our prayers, because I, for one, need all the help I can get. Anybody want to say amen to that, Chris? Yes. Prayer should come easily, but it, it, it's, a, it's a, a challenge. And Dennis, who has really got some insight and expertise in that, is going to be helping us. But today, I really want to say, you know, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit as the witness and how he helps us to witness. And, and, and to start with, it, with a, a little verse out of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this. The Holy, Jesus said to his followers, his close followers, he said, you know, but you will receive power... 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in that sort of geographical listing, there is a progression. It's, it's at home, you know, next door, down the end of the street, you know, beyond the end of the street, in, in, in the next community, and so on and so forth, to the ends of the world. You will, you will go everywhere sharing the good news of Jesus. Now, you know, Christians have this fondness of tripping out this, this expression, the good news of Jesus, and to some extent... Um, you know, people know about that. But, you know, I have to say this, that our culture, the society we live in, does not understand, much less think about Christianity. You know, in the, in the 60s and 70s, when I, I, uh, in the 70s when I was doing my training to be a minister, we, would, we, we were wrestling with a whole different set of questions then. The kind of questions that we were wrestling with, that the society was bouncing back, was, was actually, uh, there was a hostility. There was uh, atheism. There was, in the 60s, there'd been a lot of theologians who had, you know, had, had actually, some of them had said, well, God is dead. It's all about community. And they sort of hadn't really helped the cause. But when I was training, we were sort of trying to think about how we will answer questions and deal with atheism. We are not dealing with that now. And actually, we're dealing with something that is almost worse because what we're dealing with now in our culture is a society that has become so secularized that we're not even on the radar. People aren't walking around with a pet problem with God. They don't even think about God. You know, I think some, some, some wit said, you know, any publicity is, is good publicity. The worst possible publicity is to have no publicity. Well, we're in that place now. People, you know, p- people haven't heard about Christ and people haven't he- they don't understand church and, and, and they're not talking about church. They're not talking about us behind our backs, folks. They're just not talking about us. Now, in that lies a great opportunity. I'm not going to take offense at that. Because actually, when you begin to witness, when you begin to, you know, share what it is you do have, then incredible conversations, incredible opportunities begin to open up to us. So this is actually, even though that that, that wit seemed to think that no publicity was the worst possible option, actually, the fact that people have never even thought about church or Christ or or anything to do with him, it, it means that they're intrigued. I was getting my hair cut this week from a young uh, hairdresser near where I live. I've been going there for three years. I actually, now I like the way she cuts my hair, but the whole reason I've been going there for three years is because I have been slowly, slowly, amongst a number of other people, sharing with her who I am, who he is, and who we are. And this last week, she said to me, apropos of absolutely nothing... She said, I'm going to come along sometime. And I said to her, I said, uh, we'll, we'll call her Mimi. It's not a name, but that's our cat's name. That's, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll call her Sandra. Okay. Or, I, I said, Sandra, I said, bless your heart. You, you, and I, I've got this relationship with her. I said, you always say that. You're just blah, 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 blah. She said, no, I will, honest. And, she's, and, 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 and it was quite fun. And she said, I'm going to come. And I said, well, why would you want to come anyway? She said, I'm intrigued. 
I like that. I'm intrigued. Because she didn't really have any idea of what church was. She happens to live in a, in, in, not too far from here. And she actually lives next door to a church. A, one with a spiky thing on. And she's never given it a second thought. But through meeting with me... Uh, and now a number of us go there, and we all, know, we all have our hair cut by this same woman. <laughs> number of issues. I mean, she's gay for a start. You know, a number of things. A number of things to work through, but hey. But now she's saying, I'm coming, and the reason I'm coming is because I'm intrigued. I think this is incredibly exciting. And people, as I say, are not dismissive of the church. You know, they're, they're, they're resistant to, to people who come tearing down the street to them, brandishing a Bible with loads of Jesus loves you stickers and, and, and slaps them on, on their chest. Thank you very much. There's still a resistance to that, although you don't really see that too much these days. Thank goodness. But people are not talking us, uh, uh, about us behind our back. They are intrigued. And the Holy Spirit, one of his primary roles, I believe he has a higher role, which I'm going to talk about in two weeks' time, the highest of all his functions. But his primary role is actually to help us, assist us, dynamically help us to share the good news about Jesus. Now, if you're visiting for the first time, maybe you're here for the first time because someone's been you know, working on you for three years and you're intrigued. Well, I just need to say this. That at the very heart of this, this good news thing is the fact that whether you realize it or not, dear friend, there is a God in heaven who knows you. Now, that might excite, that might terrify you. There is a God in heaven who, who knows the very number of hairs on your head. Who has been present at everything that you have ever been involved in. And his disposition towards you is one of love and kindness. Well, this is, I, I know for some people this might be a totally new idea. A, there's a God. B, that he knows me. C, that he's been with me everywhere I've been. Oh, that's a scary one. And fourthly, that he loves me. His disposition towards me is one of love and kindness. So much so that he has sent his son to deal with the very real difficulties, the very real regrets, sin, the mess in our life. He has, de- he has sent his son who died on the cross, who took any punishment and all punishment that was due upon himself so that you, my friend, can know God as a loving, tender, welcoming father. Now, I know that's an emotive word for some people. But that's at the very heart of what we're doing here. We're celebrating the fact that every single one of us here who, who, who knows God as Father now, has in a very real sense of the word, come home. So I want to be the first to say to you, welcome home. You may not feel like home. You may be thinking, oh my goodness, what is this I've got myself into? Get me out of here. Okay. 
you wouldn't be the first nor will you be the last who's had that reaction or that response but I want to say welcome home to you the trouble with the church and I include myself in this is that we get so busy with ourselves our own needs that we begin to think this is all about us this is all about our comfort our need our convenience and boy do we get cross when we become inconvenienced and, and I want to say to you, and I, uh, Jim White, I've said this many times, it's not the first time I've said it, but Jim White yesterday took the words out of my mouth and he said, it's not about you. It's about them out there. That's what this mission is. It's about them. So I'm going to rattle through, uh, and we could spend a lot of time talking about this and training, and we probably should do, but I'm going to just very quickly go through three areas, three things that uh, will help us and will help you to know when it comes to mission or telling the story. And what I'm going to do is is I'm going to use that telling the story motif as as really the framework for the next three points I'm going to make. And the reason for that is that one thing that observers of our culture are saying is that the whole business of telling your story is becoming very, very interesting to people. They want to hear your story. They, 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 you know, they, a few years ago, they were saying, all the, oh, all the storytellers are dying, and there used to be a wonderful tradition of you know, passing the story on, and maybe that was true. But in this age, when we have so much information, so much way, so many, so many means of entertainment, peop, ordinary people's stories are fascinating. People love to hear your story. And that's a tremendous opportunity for us. So the first thing would be my story, the Holy Spirit, my story. And and I actually was playing with that this morning, and I thought the word mystery seems to roll out of that. My story, mystery. And for too many Christians, their story about their walk with, with Jesus is still a mystery, not so much to them. They know why they do it, or they think they do, but it's a mystery to others. Why? Because they're keeping it a secret. I've got very personal faith. It's, it's very real to me, thank you very much, but it's a very personal faith. It should never be that. It shouldn't be a mystery. In fact, it actually says in the Scriptures, it uses that word, that once it was a mystery, but now it shouldn't be a mystery. We need to get it out there any which way we can. And so the first thing to encourage you to do is to start looking for opportunities to tell your story. little passage in John chapter 4 here, it says then, and this is about an interaction between Jesus and a woman he meets at a well. And actually Jesus is in a place that, he, that as a good Jew he shouldn't have been. He was in, in the Gentile area. Jews just didn't visit Gentile areas. And so they're, in, they're, they're taking a shortcut through this Gentile area and Jesus is whacked. And it actually says in the text that Jesus was really tired, and so he sat down by the well. And his, his followers went off into the village to get some lunch or something. Now, I, 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 as I was reading about this this morning, I sat in the garden, it was still sunny then, and just thinking about this, I suddenly pictured that in my mind, and I, I could just see Jesus. Jesus is tired. He's had a day of it, and they've been walking for some while. And basically, he slumps down on the side of the well, and he says to his poor followers, I'm, I'm absolutely fagged out. You go and get me a sarni. I, I wanna, I, that may be a little bit rough for you, but 
I want to press that pedal. Because what I want to say is that Jesus did not arrive at that well and say, you go on into the town. I'm going to hover here because I'm about to have a Holy Spirit opportunity to share my faith with a Samaritan woman. (laughs) He was just jiggered. And he said, go and get me a... Okay, have you got some money? Oh, fine, okay. Well, I'm not... Phew, I'm going to wait here. It was, I mean, we've all been in that place, haven't we? And a woman comes out to get water, and as, as was and is, you know, the tradition. She has this interaction with Jesus. Jesus has a conversation with her. It's just a conversation. There's a little bit of banter, a little bit of sort of, you know, teasing. But in the midst of all of this, Jesus just slips in one or two things that completely, which intrigue this woman. Let's use that word. And her response is this, and I love this. She doesn't know the whole story. She's still trying to work it out, just like some of us are here. I hope all of us are still on this journey. But the woman goes back to her friends, and what does she say? She says, 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 then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people... Come see a man who told me everything I ever did, which is a bit of an exaggeration. Could this be the Christ? Three things very quickly I want you to notice about this. The woman doesn't go back to the town and say, I have found the Messiah. She says to them, come and see. Now, Now that there is tremendous, there is respect in that. She has, she's, she has a, a series of questions that she's asking, but she says to somebody else, well, why, why, why don't you come and see? Uh, because this is what this man has done for me. He, she then tells them what, what this person that she has met has done for her, which intrigues them. And then she finishes up by saying, you know, what do you think? Could this be him, the Messiah? So it, it leaves room for dialogue. You know, in the old days, the old evangelists would just ram it down your throat what the truth was, regardless of where you were on the journey. This is it. This is it. Like it or lump it. If you like it, you're going to heaven. If you don't, you're going to hell. Make up your mind to come down the front. I'll pray for you. Well, that may work, but we are wary in the 21st century of that kind of approach. We are very wary. We are suspicious and wary of people in authority. Currently the politicians, as if we needed any encouragement. But we we are wary of this. So we need to approach these things as Jesus did with that woman, being a Jew in a place he wasn't supposed to be, not supposed to talk to a woman. That woman would have been wary of him. Who is this fella? Is anybody else around? I wish I'd come out with my girlfriend because there's a strange bloke sat where I need to be. Oh, he's talking to me. Their guard, her guard was up. But, but the Holy Spirit will help us if we're canny about this just to, to take these opportunities to enter into conversation. We haven't got to sign, seal, and deliver. Three years I've been talking to this hairdresser lady. Three years. That's an awful lot of haircuts and big tips. (laughs) I wanted her to remember me, so I always give her a big tip. 
She remembers me. She's always pleased to see me. Come see for yourself. This is what he did for me. What do you think? So, a little bit of thing, a little bit of a, a quick lesson there. And of course, the other thing, you know, as Jesus was, no matter where we are, what, whatever our situation, fagged out, tired out, exhausted, fed up, let's just be, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to make us available. You know, say, say to the Lord, I want to be available. We've, we've talked about this before. I think we've made some progress, but there's some way to go. So wherever I am, whatever I'm about, Jesus, whatever I'm doing, I, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit can prompt me to do something that may be a little bit out of the ordinary, a little bit strange, a little bit... But, but just to take the initiative. Don't, don't let these moments, as Jesus did there, slip through your fingers. I've, I've just pounced on poor Andrew Mills down here and asked him... Are you available? And he said he is available because we were at dinner the other night and Andrew and Christy told me this lovely story. Just, so Andrew, just come up here. Just welcome Andrew. This is a great story about being available. Andrew, just tell us what happened to you. Okay. Is it on? Yep, I hope so. Let me just see whether we've got the mute on. No, we seem to be all right. Okay. Hello. Can you hear? Ooh. Yes. Is there anybody there? Andrew. All right, Chris, thank you. Um, <clears throat> yes, this was rather interesting. Now, I have to say, before I just tell this very quick story, um, probably many of you already here have had similar experiences so why am I up here but a this is really the first time this has really happened to me I've answered I've answered a, a prompting and totally unexpected uh, Chrissy and I went to Sainsbury's in Harpenden uh, right by the, uh, the, the, the the salad bar and the fresh flowers we, we saw somebody we knew in fact it's a lady that Chrissy goes to sort of floral decoration with classes and this lady, she's, I have to say, my recollection of her, she's slightly accident prone. And she was there and she was sort of, how are you then? You know, she, she was saying, oh, I've been in, I've been over at Luton Dunstall, accident emergency all morning. Oh, she's had a bit of a fall. I thought, oh, yes. oh dear. And she said, well, I, I, I bumped my hip. And she said, worse still, my shoulder, my right shoulder, I really, I hit, I hit the ground and it really is painful. I, look, I can't even lift my arm more than this high and we were thinking, oh, that's not very good is it anyway she was chatting with Chrissy and all of a sudden I got a prod that's all I can call it just a prod and a voice said to me pray for her <laughs> right in the middle of Sainsbury's so <laughs> I said to her I said excuse me I said, her name is not Barbara but we'll call her Barbara I said excuse me Barbara uh, can I put my hand on your shoulder now, isn't that daft? I didn't say, could I pray for you? I just said, could I put my hand on your shoulder? And she said, yeah, sure. And she was chatting away with Chris. <laughs> I was standing there, and under my breath, I said a little prayer. I asked for God's healing there and then. And within seconds, she said, oh, my goodness me. The heat coming from your hand is just amazing. She said, let me feel your hand. She said, it's cool. I thought, well, isn't that amazing? I said, how does it feel? She said, it's wow it feels so much better and she said you're a healer aren't you and I said 
No, I said, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm just a, a conduit. I'm a channel. I said, I have, to, I have to own up to something. I said a little prayer whilst I had my hand on your shoulder. And she said, my goodness, that was amazing. And then it was all confirmed the following week when Chrissy met her at the class. I said, I said well, what did she say? What did she say? She said, well, she was telling everybody how fantastic it felt. Wonderful. There you go. Bless you, Andrew. I love that, that story was just so great because I was planning on teaching on this anyway, but it's just about being available. It is such fun when you start obeying these little promptings. Uh, and what's the woman doing now? She's doing what that woman did. She, come and see the man who told me every, who, everything I ever did. That lady is now telling her friends, I had a funny experience in Sainsbury's the other day. <laughs> I met this healer guy. You see, there's a beginning of a conversation there. The word is out. You see, people aren't hostile to the faith. They just haven't even, not even thinking about the church. So this whole business of being ready and available to tell your story, you don't have to have all the answers. That's one of the things that holds people back. Well, I don't know enough. We're not, pe- people aren't looking for absolute truth. They're looking for an experience. They're looking for first-hand experience. And that, for them, is a beginning. Is it real? Does it work? That's what they want to know. Is it real and does it work? And that leads me on to my, sec- my, my, my second uh, little pointer here. And, and this is a new one for me, and it's really about our story. So uh, if we can go on to the next screen, please. The Holy Spirit and our story. And this one is really about the church. People do not know what goes on in this place. And it confuses them all the more that we have got this great big sign 26 foot long and 4 foot high that says vineyard. They don't know what that means. They assume it's something to do with, a, with an amazing wine club that meets here every Sunday. Boy, they've got a heck of a membership. It must be good stuff. You know, what are they thinking? You see, this may not be your story, but part of my story, and many of you know my story all too well, but the part of my story was this, that I actually, once, once I began to encounter Jesus, I, I was hooked on him. It didn't take long for me to, to think, I, I want to know this Jesus. But I did have a problem with church. This was a 70s perspective. Today, that, it's different. People just do not have a, a, they don't know what goes on. We don't know what we're about. Um, Fliss and I had this experience, which I, this, this uh, occasion where we were down in Brighton and we were on a ministry trip down there and during the afternoon we did a kind of vineyard active thing and so Fliss and I went out and we had been given a great big box of, of, of light bulbs to, knock, to go to, into a, an old people's home we had permission to do this sort of where there were these uh, warden uh, overseen flats and we were knocking on doors saying you know, do you need any light bulbs and, and a number of people said oh that's very kind of you it's been out, the one's been out in my my hall for ages, would you mind? And often they'd say, would you, could I ask you, could you put it in for me? Because I can't reach up anymore. So that was what we were doing. It was great fun, lots of conversations, and people asking, where are you from and why are you doing this? And they'd been sort of half-warned that we were coming around. We came to one lady, and we, and we started chatting, and she got quite teary at the end of it. And she said, you know, I'd, I've, I've often wondered what goes on in that church across the road, because she knew it was a church. She said, I've often wondered, this is across the road, 
I've often wondered. And, you know, sometimes when I go and get my Sunday paper and, and, and some, you know, meat for the cat, I just walk slowly past the front because the, the singing is lovely. And she said, um, I don't know whether I could really afford it, but how much does it cost to join? Because I'd really like to go sometimes. Is it expensive? You see, people are not stupid. They just don't know. Just because you haven't been given some information about what goes on and what the deal is, just because you've not met someone who's invited you and explained what you might expect and that it will, it, this will happen and that won't happen, it doesn't mean to say they're idiots or stupid or resistant. They just haven't met a Christian yet who's taken the trouble to do that. So we've got to start telling the story of what happens in church. Now, now you know... Uh, uh, we have by no means got it all together yet. But there are good things happening here. And, and I think many of you are aware of that. Tell them about that. Encourage them. Try and paint the picture of, for them. What, you know, if, they're, if they're talking about, try, talking about trying it sometime, paint the picture a little bit for them about what they might expect. Because it is a terrifying business just coming through that front door. I know that from personal experience. The first time I ever went into a church, it was Ripon Cathedral. You know, when God started moving in our life, I'd been to, on scout things and what have you before, but this was when God began moving in my life and I didn't know where to go, so I went to Ripon Cathedral. And as a non-Christian, there's the cathedral, there's the church, go to the great big door, flipping heck, that's a big door, and it was all locked. And then somebody came along and laughed at me and said, ha it's not that door, mate, you need to go around the side. And I was already humiliated and hadn't even got inside the building yet. It is a bit of a push for people who have no religious background, have not been raised in a Christian context, to come into this place. So reassure them, put yourself in their place. We've got to tell a little bit about our story because there is life here. Acts 2, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord has slowly but steadily kept adding people to us. And please God, he'll continue to do that. Because I believe, you know, you've heard me say it before, healthy things grow. That's why issues like parking and all the rest are so important, that we get that right, so that doesn't become the thing that stops people coming. But we've got to start telling our story, and and, and people will be intrigued about that. The girl that I've been talking to in the hairdressers has been as much intrigued about what we're doing. We've given her CDs, DVDs at the right time, and she's got this idea that whatever we are, we are contemporary, and she doesn't have to dress up. And that already counts for something. Because she, she's not interested in history. She wants to know whether this thing works now. So there's a starting point. A little bridgehead. There's a, a country to be one, but there's a bridgehead. And that reference to history leads me on to my final point here, which is, is really his story. And again, you know, if I, as I played around with the words and made my story mystery... You know, his story can become history. You know, I really... Let me just read this little verse here. And then before I talk to this point and finish. 
This is from 2 Corinthians 5.19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Two things I want to draw out of that. We are God's only plan. You know, Bill Hybels, who you know, we have relationship with, has coined this little phrase, that the, the local church is the hope of the world. And I, I've thought about that. It was quite startling when I first heard it. I thought, boy, but the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized that, that actually I believe that to be true. You know, we, a number of us here have had the, the, the privilege of traveling to other continents, to other churches. And, and, and every place where there is a, lo- a local church like us in the sense that we love God and we're trying to love our neighbor, you know, the bells and the whistles and the music is all different because the context is different. But the message is the same, this message of God's love for us. Wherever that is taking place, it is a, it is a power for good. It is a power for good. You know, last week, we had a bit of a ruckus in my neighborhood. Um, and uh, a couple of uh, gay neighbors uh, were having a party celebrating uh, one of the the guy's elderly mother's birthday. So they were all around, they had fireworks in the garden and all the rest of it. And as a result of that, there were a lot of cars parked in our street. Well, well somebody took it upon themselves to get some of this white uh, tar stuff that they mark out parking bays and tipped a tub of it on top of one of these, uh, one of these um, guys' cars. Not anybody else's. It was one of the, one of the partners of this, this, this couple. And I didn't know anything about that until the following night I came back. I came back late after a meeting here. And uh, I'm driving up uh, my street. And, there's, and this is about unusual for us because um, a little bit where we are is you know, quite, quite quiet and quite nice. But there's people out in the street in dressing gowns and they're shouting. and all. I think, what the heck is going on? And what had happened was, was that the gay neighbors had thought that another neighbor, who they'd had a bit of a ruckus with, had done this. And he's shouting, I know what you're like. I know what you're like. And, you know, uh, then I, the, the, over the following days, you know, I've got neighbors coming to me trying to tell me their side of the story and all the rest of it. And, and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, God, it's truth. In relationships, in our community, in our country, in, in our political systems, in our schools. I mean, God, you know, that, 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 that whole thing with the nursery in Devon. I mean, goodness gracious. You know, that when you look at the way we are falling apart, we are falling apart. What, what power, what authority, what is there that can work transformation? And I am absolutely convinced that the power of God, as it says in Galatians 5 verse 2, the power of faith expressing itself through love. Sorry, it's Galatians 5, 6. The, The power of God, the power of faith expressing itself through love, the local church, is the only power on earth that can actually begin to turn things around again. Because who, you know, I, I don't know what to say to my neighbors. Uh, all I can do is empathize and say, well, can I help you clean it up? And, and I've got the other chap who was accused ringing me up saying, I want to go out for a beer. Fancy going out for a beer, mate. And, and 
you know. And so in all of this, we need to start telling his story. Because God himself has an agenda. And that agenda is to reconcile the world. Not just sort you and me out. But as we have begun to say in this church over the last couple of years, this good news is not just about you and me coming home to Father. And I'm so grateful for that message. And I will die with that message on my heart and my lips. But I have begun to understand that actually, as I've read through the Gospels time and again, God is wanting to renew the world. Is that a grand mission or not? And that, of course, opens up all sorts of areas of dialogue and mission and ministry for us. So, hey, guys, God is concerned about the environment. God is concerned about politics, justice, pandemics. God is concerned. And, and, and historically, and I, I, now I've been in this ministry for so long, I have to take some measure of responsibility. Historically, we tended to keep ourselves to ourselves, close the doors, vet everyone who comes through the door. Only perfect people can apply for membership kind of deal. And don't sit in my seat, please, because that's my seat. You know, all these kind of things have cropped up. But God is turning the, sh- the church upside down and giving it a little bit of a shake and saying, come on, guys, it's good news for you. It's good news for you, but it's good news for others. It's good news for the environment. It's good news for our, politi- our politics. It's good news for our communities. We've got to get involved in this Holy Spirit mission and tell his story as well as our story, as well as your story, that there is a God in heaven who has not washed his hands of us, but wants to work through people, men and women, anywhere who will be available to undo the works of the enemy, to bring about this transformation. And I'm mindful of a great, cry that goes out in the the closing chapters of the Bible where it says that Christ himself stands at the throne and says, Behold, I make all things new. Let's stand. Can I have the worship team back up? Jesus, I want to say to you, uh, I want to apologize. I I should know better. Because I've made uh, this good news too small. It's all been about me. I apologize, Lord, because as a leader of the church, I've, I've made it too small in that it's all been about us. I want to apologize, Lord, because I've not always been available. I've been resentful of the time that people have taken from me or demanded of me. And, Lord, I want to say, please, would you pour out your spirit upon me? Yes, as a comforter, as a leader of truth, as a giver of gifts, as as all these other things we've been considering because they're biblical. But, Lord God, would you pour out your spirit upon me so that I can be a witness like you? And everyone said... Amen.